Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, Episode 18, Nostalgia. Content warning, we are obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like the words we use or the ideas we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. Take a hike. Chump. Hello, Robot. Good morning. Good morning. Episode 18, they said we'd never make it past seven. They said they'd never... Actually, I said we'd never make it past seven. No, I don't know who's... It was unlistenable after the first episode. Yeah, and, they said it uh, was unlistenable. And we're still we're still cooking. I think we're, we were just discussing before we started re- recording that we're... Uh, I think we're making some strides. We're working some kinks out. And, yeah. Uh, and I listened to the last one that was... Published at nine or so, I don't know nine yeah yeah and it was uh it's pretty good I think we were both a little excited I think maybe we were like mouthing the mics a bit so it was good. like this it got are you not <laughs> supposed to quote, have it in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> when uh, I was in Messenger uh, I remember my dispatcher asked me after I I called in I called a tag or something and he said uh, is the is your radio actually inside of your mouth right now because i guess i was like <laughs> really like palming it put my put my whole face onto the the walkie-talkie I, uh, so yeah, i'm trying to break habits trying to maybe keep things a little quieter yeah on my end we'll keep our distance and let patrick fix it in the edit yeah i've been thinking so uh i've been yeah. thinking about back in the day when i used to play in bands and you'd go to a bar like The Rat in Boston. And if you are listening to this and you either were in The Rat or know what The Rat is, congratulations, you're old. And so you would play there in a lineup of like six or seven bands. And it would be the house mics. And you would not hesitate to just get up on. You would really just French. You would kiss yeah. that. You would kiss that oh, microphone God. in the French style. Yeah. And, and I think and back how on many that and people like, how many people have put have put that mic in their mouth yeah. or on the ground or those pre-covid days certainly. Yeah, how do I not how did I not get hep A B C D? I don't know how 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 many heps there are, but C I know is is bloodborne. I learned I listened to a podcast the other day about these people in Mayo clinics getting hep C, which is Bloodborne. It's impossible. It's microscopic, and there is a DNA to hepatitis molecules or whatever. So, um, they did this crazy, like between the CDC and the Mayo Clinic, they did this crazy investigation and found out that these three people over like three years all contracted hepatitis C, but didn't see the same practitioners, weren't in the same departments or whatever, and it boiled down to one fucking dude 
who was a fentanyl addict and he was taking the dregs and shooting it up. And, um, yeah, uh, there, there were like, you can clear it on your own apparently. Oh, uh, but these people had compromised immune systems because of liver transplants. Oh, and, yeah. um, and there was something, there was something else. Uh, but so there was no telling how many people were infected. Pepsi though, like I, I learned more about it just 48 hours ago than I ever knew. Well, how, which hep comes off microphones? Um, the same one you get from pl- playing with other people's boogers, I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's another, that's another pre COVID (laughs) hobby. Maybe, maybe that's, uh, uh, probably a, I don't know. You get it in prison too. Yeah. Oh yeah. In prison. Yeah. You just get it from being dirty or Tommy Lee. (laughs) Same diff. Same diff. So it's been a while. I took a week off. Um, not that it's going to make any difference in this schedule because we're still publishing recordings that we did like in springtime or summertime. So, um, took a week off a whole bunch of people died like in rapid succession. Yeah. Uh, I was sort of mourning the death of my friend, Jeff. He died a year ago on the 14th. And I think, I think that evening I found out this cat, Mark Savory and, um, uh, Nebraska, he died and I was just like, Whoa. And then it, uh, and then, um, uh, and then, uh, Zane Timson uh, died. Yeah. Yeah. Like two days later. And that was a weird thing. The widow, widow maker, like a, uh, like a, like a burst aorta or something, something really weird for a young person. Mm. Um, uh, this guy, Lars, I used to messenger with, he died. Um, uh, uh, uh Hank from turbo Negro died. And then, you know, some people in my orbit, some people I knew and some people I was friends with and some people I didn't, but were influential or I'd cross paths with. And it was just one after the other, after the other. And then when I got back from town, I left town, just kind of turned my phone off and dipped for a bit. And I got back and my friend Erica sent me a message that Garrett O'Donnell from planes mistaken from stars died. Like, like the day I got back and I was just like, just kind of punch drunk, you know? Um, uh, and then on Thanksgiving, I was riding around with some friends in Portland and we had a bit of a day together, which was really nice. And then that night <clears throat> we were at a friend's house for dinner and uh, my buddy Kirk, uh, who is an old friend from Santa Cruz, let me know that Rick Hunter, who has been diagnosed and battling colon cancer for a year, actually got his screens, his uh, CT scans back and it's all gone. So it was like fuck finally you know somebody i don't know rick personally i only know him as uh his internet self yeah like i don't like maybe i met him and shook his hand one time i don't i don't really remember i'm sure that we've overlapped at various things but i'll say two things number one he appears to have figured out how to live life yeah you know we've talked about him before uh, in, in other episodes, he's, he's, he does, he's an interesting character and he just, he just makes shit that's cool and does shit he thinks is cool. And he's super unapologetic about any of it. And he just, just doing his thing and his thing happens to be rad. Yeah. 
And he's a and he's a really good bike rider too. You know, I mean that's secondary to any of this, but I like him slightly <laughs> less now. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> the other the other thing I'll say is I was aware that he was dealing with cancer. He was making that look really good. I mean, like he was yeah. still out doing his thing. Yeah, riding bikes and hiking and I assume they were rocks and blasting his butthole with radiation. They probably, probably whole, I just wanted to say blasting his butthole with radiation. <laughs> probably his whole system. Uh, yeah. He was coming up to San Francisco to to an oncology department with some consistency. He's down east of Visalia, sort of like I don't even know what those mountains would be called. I guess that's all the Sierras. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, yeah, he, he handled it really gracefully. We were trying to raise money for him and he was like being kind of resistant about it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Cause he's stubborn. I did a couple of paintings and did silent auctions just to raise a little bit of dough for him. Cause you know, every little bit helps, but Anyway, really good news in amidst a bunch of rotten news. Mm. Uh, so back in town here in Bellingham, and it's been raining for like three weeks and everything's flooded. And weather has never made me feel so claustrophobic before. Like I don't want to be inside, but I also don't want to be outside and I don't know where to go. Mm. I didn't you, really take that into consideration when it, I moved here. It's a good thing that we you're jammed in your closet right now next to the shoes <laughs> yeah i got a lot of shoes it's like one false move and i'm just gonna get i'm gonna get crushed this is a version therapy for your claustrophobia shoes. <laughs> yeah not only am i packed in this stupid little space i live in but now i'm even more packed in in this stupid little closet well but we, as long as it sounds good man anything for the art it's gonna produce podcasting gold so yes this episode is about nostalgia because we're both of a certain age. Basically, I think you only get nostalgia if you're past your peak. Um, I don't know. Discuss. Uh, I've always, I've had, uh, it's, it's not nostalgia. It's a word that escapes me pretty consistently. It's, it's related to nostalgia. Um, and it might come to me. It, it's, sucks to have a poor memory but i've always had it since i was small I, my mom and dad used to make tapes a recording tape recordings of my sister and me when we were real little and i was probably in second or third grade and i remember sitting in my bedroom listening to these tapes just like crushed under the it was like paralyzing nostalgia mm. like i just i wanted to be little again so bad and i was little i'm like nine years old but i wanted to be two you know and like everything has this spirit everything i'd find old toys and it would give me like a knot in my stomach or i'd go home after my first year of college i remember going back to my hometown and 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 almost like just feeling ill i i because the passage of time was so um, uh, profound and, uh, and disheartening to me. So it's, it's inanimate objects, it's, uh, relationships, it's experiences, it's technology. It's, you know, when you sent me the notes for today's episode, I was thinking, what am I nostalgic for? Like, really? And I was like, Oh, like 
you know, as far as bike riding goes, the first, when I first started riding mountain bikes, like the way the air felt, it was fall in the Bay Area and the way things smelled and the way, you know, seeing trails for the first time, like that made a big impression on me. And then I started thinking like how much better my body felt back then. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was nostalgic for not having achy joints. I went to physical therapy yesterday and I walked in and the dude goes, Hey, Hey man, how's the body feel today? And I said, Oh, it's age appropriate. I would say. <laughs> yeah. Kind of all things being relative. If you asked another person your age, how their body felt, they might, you know, be racked with diabetes or something. So I was talking to JC sip the other day. He has gout. So I make fun, <laughs> oh, make fun no. of him for having a big old painful gouty toe. Jay, if you're listening, <laughs> can't you, is it orange juice that you drink to make gout go away or you just, it's too much protein. Uric acid. It's uric right? acid it's uric... build up in the joints. So do you got to pee more? Uh, I, I don't is... know how you fix it. You got to eat less rich food. Okay. Stop eating brie sandwiches for lunch every day. Jay, you fancy boy. Yeah, he really is. That's what um, happens when you're when you're the kingpin of the Filipino mafia. You just like yeah. You you eat you eat well, like a king, and then you get gout toe. Yeah, it's a it's a status it, symbol. <laughs> so so let's go back. So the the format for the show now is three questions. Question yeah, okay. one on on the nostalgia episode is what's one cycling thing you're nostalgic for? And you already kind of answered this. <sighs> yeah. Well. I mean, I guess, I guess, um, sort of foundational experiences, mm. you know, technology, I don't care, you know, like some, no, I don't care. I get, I mean, I get really in a thing. There's, have we done an episode about planned obsolescence? No, we did a show about how frustrating it was to have the bike industry uh, pitch a thing at us that doesn't work and then 10 years later act like it's a brand new idea and sell it to us oh, again. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I do because there are some things that I really like and that I hoard, you know, like when I when I find. <laughs> okay, here, <laughs> here's the most recent one. Um, about a year and a half ago, I'd had this really bitchin' travel toothbrush. <laughs> you know, that like folded up on itself and it, it was like a little transformer Yep. and it was trick and it worked real good and the body was sturdy and it was sleek and I liked the design and then I couldn't find them anymore. And I was like, fuck. And I found another one that was pretty cool at the Safeway in the Marina in San Francisco. I bought that one and then I realized I liked that one real well too. I went back a week later to buy the rest of them and they were all gone uh, and then yesterday afternoon, I went into, I just happened into a Safeway. I walked down the travel goods, you know, tiny shampoos and tiny toothpaste and Love stuff. And they had a ton of this one folding toothbrush that I, that I loved that I couldn't find like two years ago. So I bought a bunch of them. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I was, you know, because I'd inevitably, like when I find the thing, whether it be a mechanical pencil or a travel toothbrush or... You know, like the old Caramba double barrel cranks. I, I have a bunch of those that are, you know, as long as I have a tapered bottom bracket, I'm in pretty good shape. I can use in a, you know, a threaded bottom bracket shell. I can still build a bike with them. Um, 
Uh, and so I know inevitably that that helmet, they're going to, somebody's going to stop making that helmet or somebody's going to stop making those shoes and make a different, better version. So because I know that's the thing that I like, I buy a shit ton of them. That's, I think you just hit on something important. They're going to make a different, better thing that I hate. Yeah. I, also, I, mean, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it necessarily, but like, I'd like the thing. I like the one thing. And it's not so much like it it brings me back to a certain era or something. It just works. And so I have to I have to get them. I, like, I don't know. I like the, right, this idea of um, Steel Knievel, uh, you know, bleed, bleed profusely, uh, drink Woods beer and pay very careful attention to your dental hygiene while you travel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's just okay. So that's not that's like just OCD. That's just that's just my own neuroses. Okay, nostalgia. But um, I think like so. My buddy had this freestyle BMX bike circa 1986, and I got on it, and I forget what it was. I think it was a mongoose, and it was so perfect and so right, and you could like endo like basically all the tricks that had been discovered up to that point you could execute with this bike and it was like perfectly light and perfectly balanced and i i loved that bike and coveted it a lot and never got one for myself and i feel nostalgic about it but what my experience tells me that when you do get that bike and get back on it the magic is gone that's a that's a good bet oh but maybe it's a different kind of magic you know i still lament the the fact that like um pk ripper released they've released several of their om flyer bikes and the first one they did was the baby blue and the brown with profile three-piece cranks and shit and i was like yeah i would love to have that bike because that's the bike i would that's the bike i wanted you know in 1984 four or whatever. Right. And I didn't get it. And they've since released green and yellow ones and red and white ones. And like, I don't want those. I want the brown and blue one. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know? So like, and I, I, I think it wouldn't, I wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't ride it the same way as I would have ridden it back then. And I didn't need another bike, you know, but it was just like, finally I'm at, I'm at the fi- stage financially where I can buy one of those and it's not going to, it's not like my annual income to cover the cost of a bike. And I didn't do it, and I, and I regret it, you know? I have this thing. I don't even – I don't want to – I don't think I want to ride this bike. The, it, was, it was the Cannondale CAD, I don't know, four, five. It was the Seiko Cannondale team. It's red. Yeah, the red with the yellow. Yes. Labeling. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that that bike is an ass wrecker. I bet that it's so <laughs> stiff. You that's know, it's got like the oversized down tube. I bet that's that my it nickname would... in college. <laughs> Old ass wrecker. Old ass wrecker. I bet that bike would destroy my fifty-year-old body. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the look of that bike that I have nostalgia for. Yeah, it captures it looks fast. It looks fast, and it it captures a time. When I was interested in road cycling, I guess. Um, 
Yeah, it just it captures that sort of like, oh, this was what uh, road cycling looked like when it was cool. And there's other cool bikes. I'm not, you know, whatever. But no, for some reason, no bike that's, triggers that feeling quite like that one. That's the one that captured your attention or your imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can I can relate to that. Uh, same with, you know, any of the ridiculous technology that was made available back then you know i don't want to ride a slingshot i don't want to ride a nuke proof yeah. anything uh nuke proof hubs they were good but the frames you know it was just uh, it was just everybody was throwing all kinds of kooky mud at the wall to see what stuck and and all of these bikes had uh, wacky geometry and strange you know it's like revolutionary like oh we're gonna build a bike out of the Univega, it was like a composite. It was like a aluminum ceramic composite that they used to bulletproof Apache helicopters. And it's going to this new, you know, I'm like, yeah. what the fuck happened to those bikes? What even is Univega anymore? I like that cowboy time. I like that cowboy time. Like in mountain biking, I didn't see it maybe as much on the roadside because it happened earlier. But there was like that cowboy era in... um mountain biking when it was like we're gonna throw <laughs> i mean you know fuck it we're gonna bend this shit into all kind of shapes and tell you it's awesome yeah and yeah. i think there, that was a time when bike builder it was before and i'm not i'm not trying to this isn't a rant about uh bike production all moving to Asia. But there was a time in early mountain bikes when the people who designed the bikes were also building the bikes and riding the bikes. Yeah. And I think that was a very fertile and magical time. Uh, yeah. It, it, you know, I feel like, uh, and I also realize uh, after listening to some episodes of, um, of the show is that I start 90% of everything I say with either I think that or I feel like, and I really got to fucking stop it. I do that a lot because I mean, one thing I'm, I'm saying it's not a fact. This is just my opinion. Right. Like, this is just like my opinion, man. Uh, so I don't need to preface everything that I say with, I think, this or show I is feel only like opinions. it's so it's just, it's kind of irksome. Like I've heard myself say it a bunch and now it's just not nails on a chalkboard. doesn't bother me at all. Okay. Uh, that that um, things have evolved to such a degree. I mean, in my my limited experience working in an industrial or not an industrial, but you know, for a bike manufacturer, uh, I would see the people that were designing them, and they would get the the prototypes would get fabbed a lot of times in house, and then and then they'd be ridden. So, it, like on a small level, it's not it's not they're not building the bikes, but they're overseeing the production of the prototypes right. in house. Right. You know, we, we used to do that at Santa Cruz pretty frequently. Maybe the tubes would get uh, manufactured or bent or whatever overseas. But you know, the initial stages were all, it was all done like that. Cause you can't send a CAD drawing to Taiwan and then have them build the frame and then send it to you. And then you build it up and say, Oh no, these specs are wrong. And then send another CAD drawing. You know, it's easier to do it when you just walk down the hall and talk to the person that's doing the welding or the, yeah. whatever the fabbing. Uh, so maybe, you know, 
maybe it, it still happens that way. It's just sort of behind the scenes. I mean, I think for smaller companies, it's certainly like when I was at seven, uh, you know, I was there when we I, I say we I had nothing to do with it uh, when, uh, you know, the Rob, who's the founder and owner and uh, the engineer and the bike builders all put together a, a new dual suspension bike. And there was a lot of math and there were a lot of um, like prototype parts and, you know, they would CNC rockers for the pivots and I got mm-hmm. to see those things every day. And then I got to ride the first one and then I got to ride the iteration that was the second one. And that was pretty thrilling. I mean, that's pretty I was, you know, I was super impressed that the first bike, like the first one, you kind of, because like, I'm a writer. When I write a first draft, I'm like, well, that's garbage, you know, and then you try again and that's just writing. They, they, you know, the first iteration of the mountain bike they built was like, oh, that's a pretty good bike. This is, I mean, and a lot of it's math and a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a whole ton of experience behind it, but still, wow. And fun to be involved with. Yeah. And I even think if I if I were the person that was doing all of that heavy lifting to make that bike complete, to make it that you know the the finished piece, yeah. Even if it sucked, I think I would think it was awesome because that's there's so you know like well maybe not maybe it rides like shit and then you're disheartened and totally frustrated that you put all of this energy into this this thing. But I've never built, I've never designed and and built a suspension bike or any bike, you know? Yeah. I think it feels like it, it would feel pretty good. Almost. I mean, I can only tell you as, as a guy observing the process, like I had zero to do with designing or anything. Uh, you know, it was my job to, to write about it after it was done, but, um, but I mean, just to even watch from that close uh, and work with those guys every day as the bike came together was really awesome. And and Maybe then when I rode the-, the bike, I was ready to hate the bike. To be honest, I was uh-huh. ready to be like, "This thing is heavy and terrible and clunky, and we got to go back to the." But I rode the first one. I was like, "Oh sh- shit!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys, you guys did a good what? Um, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I, I can relate. Okay, I can relate to that. I always, I always had a real axe to grind with suspension bikes. I was the only guy at Santa Cruz. I was the only person at Santa Cruz that I rode a cross bike or I rode a hardtail, and everybody else, you know, had these fancy bikes. And I, I never really liked them. I always felt like they felt kind of dumb going up. They're fun to ride downhill, but they felt gross going uphill. That's ex- and I like climbing. That is exactly where I was coming from. Like I ride a hardtail. When I ride a mountain bike now, I ride a hardtail. I would ride. I would have one of these bikes uh, certainly if I still worked at seven and could af- could afford it because it's that good. Yeah. But but when I rode it, I you know I ride all the stuff here on a hardtail, and I like how kind of responsive it is. And I'm always sort of like, you don't need that to do this. And I'm like the curmudgeonly idiot. Uh, and then I got on that bike, assuming like my experience with dual suspension bikes generally is like the back end is heavy. And like, I always feel like I'm dragging it around or it, you have to wait. Like everything happens more slowly if you go yeah, yeah. over an obstacle. Yeah. And this bike was like, pop, pop, zing. I was like, what, how, yeah. what witchcraft did you perform to make it respond like this? Yeah. Because it was yeah, like a, 
it rode like a hardtail, but it was better. I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around it. And do they sell do they still have those available? Oh yeah. Is this a paid is this a paid advertisement? It's not a paid advertisement. It should, should be. be. I'll call them after and tell them they own <laughs> But that's a great bike. I and and I you know, those guys are friends of mine, so it's terrible that I was like doubting them and skeptical. I feel like a dick now telling the story. But I was definitely like, I don't know about this. Uh and then I wrote it and they really blew my mind. Ah, skepticism is healthy, you know? You just take everything. <sighs> engage with with everything with a little bit of with a little bit of skepticism uh, or not with everything but you know like new technologies new new bike designs or whatever you yeah. think looks rad it, maybe it'll ride rad i don't know maybe maybe it'll suck but well, you know who knows until you get on it and it makes your body feel right that's right i mean i think it part of my skepticism comes from having a career in the bike industry that has been dedicated to putting the words next to the new technology like yeah. i'm telling the story of the new technology so i know when a new piece of technology comes out that the words that come along with it are just words <laughs> Like I always felt bad for riders who, you know, the next suspension bike comes out or the next bell or whistle comes out and you've got to write basically the same thing about the new thing that you wrote about the last thing, but put the words into a different configuration. I mean, how, after all of these years, how many ways can you describe the way a bike handles? I wrote about this last week on, <clears throat> on Cycling Independent. I wrote about it's a useless review of basically marketing copy. And it's basically saying that, like, here are the different strategies that people like me use to try to convince you that stuff is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I, that stuff's I, not awesome. That's the really, that's the, that's the terrible bit, that some of the stuff is really awesome. I love getting to write about stuff that isn't awesome, because then I, I get to use the entire vocabulary. Yeah. You know, and record reviews and stuff like that. If it doesn't, you know, fuck, I'm not making any money on this stuff. If I ride the thing and I like it, sick. Yeah. More power to everybody. If I use it or I listen to it or I eat it or I wash my face with it or whatever and I don't like it, then I'm not going to pull any punches. Yeah. But I'm also not the, I'm, I'm not the guy who like goes on Yelp and. You know, they they didn't pour my water. They didn't refill my water glass for 15 minutes. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy, for sure. No. But, I mean, I think this is also, like, for me, I have been very selective about what companies in the bike industry I work for. I don't just apply. I would never apply to a job or do work for a company that I wasn't, like, pretty sure were good people doing good work. Sure. Because yeah, I just, I, I don't want to be I'm a paid liar. On I one time... <clears throat> This is a long time ago. This is maybe 20 years ago now. I wrote a review of a car for a, a lifestyle magazine for doctors. And it was right when the Porsche Cayenne had come out. You may That's know the SUV. Porsche Cayenne as the douchiest car in America. Is that like a SUV-ish It's a Porsche thing? SUV. Okay. And they wanted a review in this magazine so the doctors would read it and buy this car. And I wrote it. And I never drove the car. <laughs> Sweet. And I, I finished it and I turned it in and I got the check and I was like, oh, 
I am such a whore. <laughs> I can, yeah. I can never do that again. Ah, oh, it's, it's what? I mean, you're the only one who knows, you know. Yeah, I. But, but I know that's the problem. Uh, you, you. Uh, I don't know. That's a tricky one because you don't give a shit about doctors, and you don't give a shit about the magazine, you don't give a shit about the car, but you're good with words, so you. Put some. You put a thousand words together, and then you take a hike. Yeah, you know? but I like sh- that that's seems... just not the work I want to do. I don't want to do consistently. that. Okay, okay. Let's. Uh, we'll agree to disagree. I think you should take all those jobs. <laughs> you can get your hands on. Well, let, let's put it this way: it didn't pay that much. <laughs> oh, okay. To sell your soul. Yeah, your soul was I wasn't only just worth fifteen hundred dollars. Who were? All right. Let's move oh. on to question number two. Now that you, yeah. you are you chugging down? Is that Monster Energy you're drinking? What is that? No, it's co- it's co- it's hot coffee, and it just splashed like a half a mouthful up into my eyes. It was <laughs> <laughs> really, really painful. Yeah. Oof. But you're now curiously awake. It worked. <sighs> even more, <clears throat> even more so. So here, um, here's question number two: Is nostalgia yeah. good or bad? Does it sometimes crowd out the potential to learn to love new things? Why do we get stuck on that feeling? Uh, that's a that's a good question. I have I think somebody I can't remember how it came about, but somebody was asking me like, "What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses?" and I I remember saying paralyzing i'm paralyzingly empathetic and i'm paralyzingly nostalgic are both strengths and weaknesses Mm. they don't they don't really allow me to it's i had to really grow a super thick skin when i like at an early age i knew that it wasn't sustainable to have feelings about everything I mean, it's sad as it is to say, like yeah. everything I used to, I used to collect pieces of paper, like little pieces of trash and stuff because I felt so bad that they had been abandoned. And then I would come home with pockets full of shit that I'd find like on the ground. And my mom, I'm sure was like, Oh Jesus, what, what do we, what have I done? <laughs> you know? And, uh, everything, the first time I saw, uh, we, we, I went to downtown Denver and I was pretty old. I mean, for never having been to Denver before, I was probably seven or eight. Uh, and had only ever been in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd only ever been in, in the little town that I, that I lived in and I saw a homeless person and I was just fucking ruined, like destroyed that there was somebody without a house, you know? And I just, I didn't understand how that could be. I didn't understand what led them to that. And I was just, I was just a fucking mess. And you have no answers to those questions 41 years later. No, no. But I I guess my point is, is that like I knew by the time I was probably 12, I had to I had to shift like my nervous system had to 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 scar over because it was just the world was just too much for me to take. Um, And similarly, like I said, like going back home or, or, you know, like, um, uh, even going back to, uh, 
going back to the Bay Area right now, I think would be really, really difficult for me, even though I've been gone for seven months, because I have so many palpable experiences and memories and still like it's a really raw nerve for me and to go back into you know I had a dream about going back to my former home and seeing my partner and all of the rooms were different and this was just this morning like right before I woke up and I was just like just like physically incapacitated when I finally woke up and got out of bed like it's just this stuff is just like it's just so pervasive for mm. me. It always has been. And it, and I kind of, you know, it kind of catches me off guard. Like I think that I've gotten to a point where I can handle it or I could handle it. And then I get a little taste of what it might be like. And I totally can't, you know? Uh, so it's, and it might just be because I, I have, I've always had a really hard time, at least as far as the nostalgia goes. Um, uh, with the passage of time and realizing that, you know, I'm five years older than I was at this point when I saw this thing, or I had this experience, uh, where you see the same people and you, you live in the same place and you have the same experience, generally the same experiences over and over. It's much easier for me to, to not be faced with that. I'm now 20 years older than I was the last time I was here, you know what I mean? Like, and I think going back to my hometown was really tricky because I realized in short order that I was a, uh, I was a stranger in the most familiar place. And that was a, that was an incredibly difficult pill for me to swallow. I mean, I have two kids and there's nothing that, um, fucks you up. Uh, with time, like watching your kids grow up because they progress so quickly, they change mm -hmm. so rapidly, they become, you know, they become people so quickly that you can't help but feel like, oh, shit, what is happening to me? <laughs> you yeah. know, like that might have been that might have been a component uh, in now that you mentioned that, that, you know, in, in me deciding not to have kids because I was just I'm so afraid of facing getting older yeah. you know i don't know i haven't thought about it i mean like that not to dig into that but like my reaction basically is to double down on all my uh stupidity right like i have kids and my kids are like dad can you turn that down god damn that's loud <laughs> why is that guy just screaming <laughs> or or like we go places we'll go you know, like we went to uh, New up up to New Hampshire last summer, the summer before, and uh, there was people jumping off this thirty foot thing into a river, and my kids were like, "Oh shit, that looks scary!" And I was like, "Yep, line up, we're doing it." <laughs> That's my reaction. Like, at least you know, just hang on to stupid as long as you can is my approach. <laughs> well, I definitely don't have any problem with that. <laughs> I'm I, in nostalgia. I wear a suit of it. <laughs> I think nostalgia is like a reaction to discomfort in the present, right? Like, I'll just give a simple and benign example. My kids will put music on and I'll think, fuck, this is terrible. And then I, I want to <laughs> listen to music that I know is good. So I put on the first quicksand record, which came out, you know, 600 years ago. 
And, yeah. but I can listen to it every time and I feel good or, you know, whatever music is that thing. And then I feel like, Oh shit, I'm that guy that only listens to records that were made between 1986 and 1992. And then, uh, I like run out and try to discover new music and I spend six hours and find two minutes and 48 seconds of stuff. I like I think about that a lot. Uh, like, oh, Jesus, I've become I've become the old fat guy. You know, I was like, man, there hadn't been any good music written since Hendrix died. Or, you know, whatever. It's like it's, it's not that it's not that bad. But I don't I, I desperately don't want to be that person because that person aggravated me so fucking much. Yeah. When I was like, there's all of this good. There's all this good stuff. And to be fair, I mean, there's still a bunch of good music being written and we're still we're still digging it. Yeah. Uh, or digging it out and finding it and experiencing it and promoting it. But right. But it, there there was a definite like uh, it's kind of the salad days of like independent or alternative big heavy air quotes on that one. Right. Since now, this is something I was thinking, like, when I was in high school, see, so I graduated in 1989, and there was kids, like, like sophomores, so they graduated in 80, or 92, or whatever, <clears throat> and they were really into the dead, and I'm like, fuck, man, that shit was... 69, 79, 89, 69 to 79, 79, that was 20 years ago. All right, so 20 years ago, and now at this point, like, uh, alternative, air quotes, like... That shit was 30 years ago. That know, stuff happened the longer station. ago. We are the oldie station. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and, then, and it's Pig Champion and like Poison Idea. That's what's on the oldie station now. It used to be fucking doo-wop and barbershop quartets. Oh and now God, it's Pussy it's so... Galore and the John Spencer Blues Explosion. That's it's it. So, it's so funny. Yeah, we're just, I'm just, it's, it's Sisyphean, really. Pushing yeah. that fucking boulder up the hill and having it roll back down every goddamn time. Every time. And and <laughs> what's fucked up is, well, I don't think it's fucked up. I think it's magically delicious. But uh, that I'm nostalgic for, musically I'm nostalgic. We'll get to another music question for question three. But I'm nostalgic for a certain t music. And what I look for in new music is that just new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so, it's so fun though, to go to a, to go to a show and have like a real similar experience. Cause I think like, you know, when loud guitar driven music became the sort of the soup of the day, uh, or flavor of the week or whatever the adage, uh, it, it, it invited everybody to the table before that. It was like a secret handshake. You knew, uh, you know, if you went to a show and there was 40 other people there, they knew the same dialogue. They spoke the same language that you did. And then Lollapalooza happened and it like alternative music blew up or whatever. And then you'd go to a show and it'd just be like, oh, fuck, man. Like all the people who used to give me shit about being a weirdo are here now too. Right. They decided um, to put their weirdo costume on for a year or two. <laughs> Yeah. And don't call it moshing. It's not fucking moshing. I gotta hate that word. I, I blame anthrax. I also hate it. that word, but I thought I was, I thought I was alone. I thought everyone was just cool with that. No, you fucking dance. Or if it's a pit, you slam dance. You right. don't fucking mosh. Jesus Christ. You don't mosh unless you're like a dumb Hessian from New Jersey. <laughs> and maybe not even then. 
Corn anyway, I did go to a, I went to a Bronx show. Uh, I don't know. I'd say it was three years ago, but it was probably like eight years ago or more now. But it was, it was a sort of a quintessential um, formative punk show. Like everybody who was there was psyched. And, you know, there were pits and there was stage diving and, and, and everybody was helping everybody up off the ground and somebody dropped their glasses and you'd clear a hole so they could pick them up. And it was like, you know, and it wasn't just a bunch of old people like relishing in their heyday or anything. It was just like, it was a, it was everybody that was there for the exact same reason. It was intimate. It wasn't too big. wasn't too sparse. And it was just, it was like a perfect live music experience. So I know now as a grown up, they can still happen. <laughs> They'd still exist. They can still make the chocolate bunny just the way they used to. And it's yeah. just as delicious. Yeah. It's yeah. just, you gotta, you gotta hunt for it a little bit more. Well, today's alternative music, all, again, heavy air quotes in alternative music is all, um, you know, laptop uh, and, and keyboard driven. I'm like, what does this word even mean? So actually the weirdo right. music that you and I like is back to being weirdo music. And I like that. I appreciate that. There's always going to be weirdo music. It's just, you know, if it's the particular, it's the specific flavor that you, of weirdo music that you enjoy. Uh, and, uh, and there's a, there's a whole different population of weirdos Yeah. too. You know, I was at a, I went to see Cher Strawberries band Twomp Sacks. I think that was who she was playing with back a couple years ago. And I was, it is in this little room and this little, you know, like it's like a side film studio or something in the, like a, a Shriners building. And I love a Broad, venue Broadway that's not Denver. a venue. Go on. <laughs> it's not, no, not a venue. It's, I was like on the ground taking pictures and this girl got pushed back and she sat on my head. And I like she and I was like, oh, man, so this is what it's like to be Charles Peterson, uh, famed sub pop documentary. And like how many girls sat on that guy's head by accident? Right. Uh, got a gun, but got a bunch of f good photos. And it was really great to see them finally and cross paths with them while I was traveling. Uh, but there were kids like hanging out like. You know, like we used to, but they're hanging out and they're drinking White Claws. And I was like, man, that <laughs> shit just would never have flown in my day. But I didn't want to be that guy. I was like, right, you gotta right, be, what right. are you fucking doing? What are you guys doing? I don't know. Speaking of speaking of <laughs> how the kids do it wrong. <laughs> I was at the record store the other day. And a couple of young, young uh, youths walked in and they were like, oh, are you shopping? One said to the other, are you shopping for vinyls today? Vinyls. Vinyls Excellent. is not a plural. All of the vinyls. Never say that, kids. If Never you're shopping, say that. Or, if you're going to the record store to buy every single record, then you are shopping for the vinyls. I guess so. But don't. Yeah. It's vinyl or records and everything else earns a throat punch so <laughs> so cut it out you're was, pissing me reminds, off it reminds me i was sitting on a sidewalk drinking a cup of coffee this on this, this one day and there's four teenage girls and they were standing like chit-chatting amongst themselves not very far from me and there was a, a kind of a tattered paper map on the ground and they were kind of kicking it kind of like 
you know, their attention was being diverted from the conversation back to the map that they're standing on and then back to each other. And one of them kind of like, kind of like shuffles her foot across it. And she goes, you know, I don't even think I know how to map. (laughs) And this other girl said, I think it's referred to as read a map. (laughs) And I was just like, like I, I pushed a full formed turd into my mouth. (laughs) And then had to swallow it back down again. Yeah, could, yeah, yeah. Could, I don't know how to map. I how I don't know how to map to find the store to buy the vinyls. No. What? Yeah. Ah, anyway, kids, that was funny. It didn't kids, make me mad. It just kind of was funny. Anecdote. Kids, put your goddamn phones down. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to throat punch you. <laughs> okay. We're burning daylight here. Question three. If you, yeah. this is a, here's a nostalgia music question. It's mm. going to break your brain. I can tell in advance it's going to break your brain. If you could put one band back together, one band who broke up, who would that be? I was just thinking about, I mean, it was, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was, um, maybe it was based on this question because I just saw it in the notes yesterday, but this just like a band that I, that I, didn't see, oh, this go is good. Go, right? You go, and I'll try to come up with it. <laughs> Me go? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna be really fucking boring and say like I would. I I want uh, Fugazi to get back together and be Fugazi again, just because I think the world needs that. And I know that they're bored and they've moved on with their lives, but and I know that that's like borderline pretentious or whatever. I don't even give a shit. I love their music so much, uh, and I wish that they were still making it the way that they used to make it. And it's you know, I, you, I think you'll agree with me on this. Music is temporal, right? Like it it comes very much from the moment that it's made. Like you can't, there's no do overs, right? Right. Like this is all hypothetical bullshit really. But if I could bring one great musical thing back into the present, it would be Fugazi as a working band the way they used to. Like at at their, at their Zenith though, like at their peak, not, not them who they are now because their experience, their life experiences and, and everything is, it would be a completely different project now, a different sound or whatever than it was when they were in the, in the bullseye of their whole push. right? Right. And, and what's, what's really bullshit about me saying that is that they would be very, they, those guys are very anti nostalgia. I think they would be like, no, you create something new every day or shut the fuck up and get Mm. out of my face. So me even saying this is, is, is whatever. Yeah. Well, but you got to see them back when, and it was an indescribably powerful experience for anybody who didn't see them. It was just like, it was visceral. Is that, would that be the word? Like it was just, it was just, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. I mean, they were like, they were a fucking machine. A force of nature. Did I tell on this show, the story about the time that my band almost opened for them? (laughs) Uh, this is like Uncle Rico, your football. Yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. Your I don't high school well, football. Well, we didn't story. open for them, so <laughs> fortunately, we didn't. But I mean, I may have told it on the show before, but if I didn't before, they were supposed to play, I think, at University of New Hampshire, 
And there was some problem, like there always was with Fugazi shows about it being all ages and only five bucks or whatever. There was some issue and they were looking for an alternative venue. So they called my friend John, who booked the Elvis room in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They're like, can we come play? We're here. We're going to play. Can we play at the Elvis room? And the Elvis room holds or it's not even there anymore, I don't think. But it held like. I don't know, 45 people comfortably. So it was going to be a nightmare. And he was like, oh, well, yeah, of course you can. Um, but I, I'll, I'll book an opening band. And he called us because we were friends. And he's like, hey, do you guys think you could be up here, you know, in four hours to open for Fugazi? And oh, I, I was like, well, I don't know how long it's going to take me to clean the feces out of my drawers right now. <laughs> Like opening opening for Fugazi is a dream and a nightmare simultaneously. Yeah. But anyway, well, uh, we've talked about that. You and I have talked about that story before. I'll let it go. But you, who's your band? You're going to put back together? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I've mentioned it before, but you know, if we're talking bands at their peak, sure. And I I don't remember. It was a band that I hadn't seen that I really wish I had seen. Um, and it just was like. I don't know. It'll come to me again at some point. I'll it's have to write G- down on a well, post. Well, I, I know you saw Jesus Lizard, but you wouldn't put Jesus Lizard back together. I saw them in there, like back in the day, and I saw them on the reunion, um, whatever, three years ago, four years ago now, hmm. and that was it. Was great, you know. It was super great. Um, I would say, like, oh God, like I mean, the bad seeds. Like in there, you know, mm-hmm. fucking the most pissed off band in 1979, like at the right. beginning of the beginning, I'd say Bad Brains in 1983. Right. Um, right. I'd say, uh, uh, fuck, man. I'm just like, I wish I knew this would fuck you up. There's, there's, there's so many, but none that I would want none that I want to get back together now and I would see them now, you mm. know, I don't think. Right, 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 right. You don't want to see old people. No. Slinging the I old I mean, hash. I do. They, all of the people that are in all of the bands that I've ever loved, if they, if they had, they were a band that I loved and that I saw and that I, you know, loved everything they did or whatever. And they've gone on to make new, uh, be involved in new projects. <clears throat> and I get to see those things. Like all of that stuff's great, but it, it's interesting that this, this we're talking about nostalgia and I guess I have, I would have nostalgia for what was, but I don't want it recreated so that I can live it now. Yeah. You know, like because maybe that makes me even more depressed. You want to pull, you want to pull what was in the past out of the past, but you don't want it. You don't want a, a uh, like a simulation in the present based on yeah. I no. get that. It would be fun to see Fugazi play now, but I, but they are also they're like I said, they're totally different people now than they were then, and have different motivations and different. Maybe the fires, their the fires in their belly are different now than they were then. Like you can't recreate right. It's That's impossible right. to recreate something like that. It's really light, the sort of a lightning in a bottle scenario. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to, I, there's the, the, I hate that I can't remember the one band and there's somebody who's, who's, you know, maybe broken up semi recently. 
what have I been listening to? Is it the Afghan Wigs? Oh, I saw them in the in the in the in the way back. I had an opportunity. Bill from Ozorn came to the Bay Area and we saw Rock from the Crypt play at the Independent uh I don't know, eight years ago or six years ago or something. And he had some friends who had a place out in like Joshua Tree. And the Afghan Wigs were gonna play a living room show at this dude's house just to warm up for their tour. And he's like, You should come down. And I, I didn't, I don't know, I don't know why the fuck I did, but like I didn't, I didn't, and that's probably one of my life's biggest regrets next to all of my other life's biggest regrets. <laughs> right. I, a, I mean, I we all have that where we have them. like a temporary case of the stupids and we just make the dumbest choice. Yeah. Yeah. That one, I don't know if it, I can't remember what it was, but I didn't go to Southern California to see afghan wigs playing somebody's house fuck uh i'm gonna okay i'm gonna i'm gonna think about this and i'm gonna kind of like i'm gonna probably have to walk around my house and and look at things that will jog my memory and uh and then i'll remember for the entire week and then i'll forget right before next tuesday when we record again oh sweet yeah so the in conclusion nostalgia really serves no purpose um but everybody has it to varying degrees and um, it's best to live in the present and look towards the future than it is to live in the past and lament. <sighs> Whatever. Oh the, man. Did the, I bum you past. out today? Did today's yeah. show bum you out? Mm. I got out of bed on the wrong side. So it's like, I, it's, it's sort of ironic that I should have the, heaviest of fucking dreams right before we start recording and we and we're talking about nostalgia and all of these images and all of this all of these uh kind of like like uh what does it it's what's it what's a feeling that you have when you're having a dream and it seems so real and then you wake up and it's just like ether it's that feeling it's 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 tangible right and it's right. You're holding it. And then you wake, you open your eyes and there's nothing in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. So like having that experience and then, and then starting to talk about nostalgia, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to put my day on a little, it's going to put my day on a little bit of a weird spin. It gives me a lot to chew on today. That's You're for gonna sure. You're going to need to go set a dumpster fire or something just to get that out of your system. You know, it's too wet, man. I can't <laughs> fucking leave. Oh God, I can't my house this is just so soggy yeah uh, excuse me everywhere i like to try to when because that happens here in new england too i like to remember that um water is the source of life on earth just yeah okay yeah it's 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 fine everything's great <laughs> i mean i'm still out riding around and yeah my all of my bikes are so pissed so pissed at me right now Oh God, everything's frozen and broken and stuck and worn down and, mm. but the summers are real glorious. So what somebody said the other day, it's like, you can't remember the winter during the summer and you can't remember the summer during the winter. Yeah. And I don't, you know, there was a, there was a, the El Nino winter one year when I was on the road, probably brought this up before. Cause it's really my one hero moment, but it rained for 42 days in a row. And I was riding in the rain, you know, I was eight, nine hours a day in the rain 
for 42 days. And there were people that had like weird staph infections. This one guy had a staph infection on his back just because it was like trench Just from foot. being wet all the time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And having a bag like rub a big sore in his back. Yeah. It was f- gross. Uh, and maybe at that point I decided that I was never, ever going to ride in foul weather again. And now I'm deciding that if I never ride in foul weather, I'm just never going to ride. So yeah, I got to suck it up. Got to put your nose into the wind. Eat, yeah. Eat some gritty, sandy, wet shit. Ugh. Feel alive. And then, and then wheel my bike into my house and spend the next four hours cleaning my house between the front door and where <laughs> I hang my bikes. Just. It's fucked. Well, here's some good news. Here's some good yes, news. Yes, sir. Uh, and they'll probably be sold out by the time this episode comes out. But you have a new skate deck. Oh, yeah. Well, they might not be. I mean, I got them two days ago. I've sold through 50. I had 200. I sold through 50 of them just in the last couple of days. So maybe they will be gone, uh, depending on how long it takes to record this or to publish this episode. But uh, yes, uh, it was, I believe, in February of 2000 when I okayed the artwork and because supply chain issues have been so profound and production issues have been so profound, uh, it has taken me this long. Like February I could, of 2020. What is this? 21? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. February of 2020. Uh, and now it's November yeah, of 2021. Yeah. So in the time that it took me to get a skateboard, I could have made a fully formed human being. Yeah. That's, but one that's really saying something. is much better to slap against a curb than the other. One is way easier to ride <laughs> around on. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody, it's a first skateboard I've ever done my own graphics for. This is the fifth board in, in the line of all hail the black market decks that I've done. So that's pretty cool. It's like, you know, like I'm almost a full fledged skateboard company, but I'm not. Someday I hope to go pro for all hell the black market. How the fuck do any of the, like I look at black market or I'm sorry, uh, black label skateboards, John Lucero's company. And they like are just churning boards out left, right and center. You know, like how do you, how do you do that? I guess you got to make place bigger orders and are better about coming up with graphics and better, smarter, more organized. Yeah, it's just it takes everything I got to do one little like I do one new sticker and it's like, whoa, well, my work is done for the year. Sit down and have a, <laughs> have a rest. <laughs> oh, man, it just really takes it out of me. Oh, new patch and a sticker. Woo. That's two years worth of work right there. God damn. Well, that's I sure hope part, I make my millions. Commerce. <laughs> Yeah, so if uh, you're interested in this, uh, the new skateboard, it's a pile of clowns, drawing of a pile of clowns. I love it. Uh, Allhailtheblackmarket.com. And we got records and stickers and all kinds of other bullshit you definitely don't need. So, uh, yeah, take take a trip. Don't need, but will love. Probably. Maybe. Yeah, definitely. If you don't, I won't give you your money back. Uh, well, nice work. Yeah. Thanks for we coming. did it again. Thanks for coming. Thank yeah. you for everyone for showing for repeatedly showing up. Thank you for the nice words. Man, I've gotten some really friendly messages from people about this show, and that feels makes me feel like we're doing something right. Hmm. So good for us. Yeah. Until next time, this is Steve. Robot. Yeah.
Don't forget to suck it. <laughs> <laughs>